Welcome back to Inspiration Point, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're back again for episode two because it uh, seemed like episode one was not a massive disaster. Um, so we thought we'd uh, keep this thing going. And uh, Yes, indeed. The episode two typically comes after episode one. Yes. Um, I guess the... Uh, the, My prediction is the next episode will be episode three. See, and this is uh, this is where our college degrees are That's coming right. into our factory. <laughs> really paid off. Thing. See, mom. Mm-hmm. That's right. That'll, <laughs> Love that'll show them. Love that'll me. show them. Yeah, that'll show them. Yeah. Uh, no, we've got lots to talk about. We have. Uh, no one would describe us as short-winded. That's never been said of me. Ever. That's yeah, you especially, but you know, both of us to an extent. To an extent, to a very yeah. I mean, I got a job where I can basically say whatever all day long because everyone listening to me is a teenager and doesn't know better. And isn't that the dream? It is actually. It's great. Like I'm, I'd be terrified of doing college. Someone would probably look up something I said. That and well, <laughs> to to be fair, I. I worry about that with this show. So for oh, all sure. of you out there, um, you know, if you can. Don't Google us. Don't <laughs> Google us or anything we say ever. And yeah. we'll all be fine. We deny everything we're about to say. Categorically. <laughs> and we will deny uh, it up and down if you say anything else. Well, how's, how's your day? How's your, how's your week been, I should ask? Uh it's been it's been eventful honestly um at over at nord we finally got like all of our kickstarter uh fulfillment stuff in from like every kickstarter we were running for almost like the past two maybe even three years something like that long long while there were like three major book kickstarters that we did and they all ran long or well two of them ran long and uh they've been a long time coming and we finally got these things Mm -hmm. in and uh just being able to hold these darn things after staring at them on a computer screen in document form forever was really 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 cool and uh, yeah, how many uh, how much time does that represent like is that like two years like what is that it, that you hold in your hands about two years yeah yeah it's, i mean what an accomplishment you know to to hold that achievement in your hands to have the representation of of the work of not just you but to large extent you yeah <laughs> well on on one of them at least um yeah. on spectacular settlements it was definitely me a lot and on treacherous traps it was me a fair bit but definitely not a majority um, sure and it's the good parts right yeah sure the good parts <laughs> the the best parts the best parts. i got an email today that told me that my spectacular settlements book has been shipped yeah baby so i'm pretty excited to have this massive paperweight on my coffee table it it will weight all your papers i think i need to reinforce my copy my coffee table yes it's um it it's it's a gigantic freaking book i think um i think they said it actually weighs in 
at almost five pounds. I'm pretty sure that if you put straps on it and put your arm in, it would provide you with two armor class. It, yeah, you're right. I, I yeah, think, I think that's I. And I it don't would probably still could, be fine. Yeah, it would. It, like <laughs> even after a few attacks, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure someone could Google that and they wouldn't even find that we were wrong. So that's yeah, I get. Stop Googling. Stop why Googling. Why would you do that? Don't don't do don't it do when that. you're sick. Don't do it ever. The, don't just stop that. Ignorance is bliss. Whoever learned anything online? No anyway, uh, <laughs> I have to also say I really like the artwork. You know, it just it, it's really cool. I love those cityscapes. You know, I like to draw, but I don't do backgrounds like at all, hardly. Bloody. That aren't like some trees, a, a hill. You know, like buildings and roads. Forget it. Oh, you know anything where not, you got not my thing. Start doing some real hard perspective is yeah. brutal yeah one point is already too many <laughs> way, way too many wait um, way, way too many i don't i don't want to do math while i'm drawing that's why i'm drawing that's why i'm drawing yeah it's it's <laughs> so hard and if there's anything that life has taught us it's that if something's hard go do something else yeah <laughs> definitely pivot avoid yeah obviously confrontation is for Masochist. This is easily our most sarcastic episode. It <laughs> out of two, but it's still out of two. <laughs> I think it's going to endure, though. That's my that's my prediction. It'll endure if we want it to. Yes, in the hearts of both of us and no one else. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. enough shenanigans. Um, yeah. So I started last week. So I'm going to toss it to you this time. Adam, uh-huh. what is your inspiration point for this week? Oh, I, I see. You're not going to ask me about my week. You don't you don't want to know how my week went. I get it. Well, that's fine. I mean, you <laughs> No, it's fine. I don't want to talk about it either. I did know, have something big happen, okay. but you know what? It's fine. too private. Dial it back. <laughs> I well, now that you've said it's private, I need to know more. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I missed a beat. My apologies. <laughs> how I'm just was, messing with you. How was your week? Dude, this no, this week sucked, honestly. Like really? it was um just stress, man. Like I am getting like some COVID depression. Ugh. Like being stuck in that cabin fever. And I'm you know, I'm a big homebody. Like me I, too. Yeah. I, I like to be in my in my hut, you know, my uh my cave. I like my solitude even. Yeah. I, I like being alone for the most part. But uh, even I have limits. Even I am yeah. still a social animal. And, uh, you know, it was hard for a couple of days. I, I did get over it. I seem to be okay now. But it was it was a little tough there for a bit. Oh, man. that I'm sorry you ran into that. That's Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are going through this. You know what I mean? Like For sure. I think... I think uh, we're seeing a lot of that on social media. Like people let you know in different ways, um, but there's Everyone's a lot of agitation. Minds, yeah, yeah. And listen, there may be some very good reasons for that, but yeah. it's still you. You can see that a lot of people are in various types of pain, and yeah. that is something that concerns me. And I think we need to be concerned about each other's pain to to a degree. Not to get too preachy, but. No, I you know. I think we do too. I, what what gets me a lot, and uh, it's it's something that that I 
you know, I've talked to my wife about this a bit and she'd, you know, she'd have times where, you know, she'd want to talk to me about something that's bugging her, um, something like that. And my initial instinct is always, okay, what do we do about it to fix it and get it done so it's not bothering you anymore? Yeah, that's uh, the the typical male response, right? Right. Fix the problem. Fix the problem, because then if we fix the problem, there won't be a problem anymore and everything will be great. Right. And so when when we... But that's not what people like your wife and I ask for. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like when when I see all these people, especially on like, you know, on social media and stuff who are clearly going through stuff or something's bugging them. Most of the time I'm I'm left just feeling very powerless because I'm yeah. looking at all this stuff and going, OK, I can't do a darn thing to change what's going on for you so now not only do you feel bad but i feel crummy because i can't help and now i'm even more aware of all the garbage that's going on and it's it's a it's a quick road to a downward spiral we need like a shoulder pat emoji you know to go along with our other likes yeah they're there uh, they're there, you know, like uh, uh, I sympathize like the tear is too much. Well, right? they I'm, they now have the hug. Yeah, they have the hug. But people are using that to express like I really freaking love what you just said. Yeah, that's true. as you know, like it's in, they're treating it as intense love. Yeah, it, I need a hand that's like moving, basically. Yeah. And it's like they're there like, hey, man, I didn't like like your post per se. Right. But I like you. Yeah. There are there, you know, it, isn't it awful when you have those, you have those posts where when they had just the like, and someone would post like really bad news. Like someone's like, my like, father died. Like, yeah. Like definitely <laughs> <You know? laughs> ill. And Oh my gosh. And you're like, Oh man, I, I want to let you know that I read this and that I support you. But my options make me seem like I'm a terrible person. Yeah, people would type in comments like, I like this post to show support. I don't like that this is happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Freaking crazy. Now they can do the sad face. And and listen, the sad face has its place, but there needs to be the... Sympathy. Wow, wow, that sucks. Like Because that is the response that a lot of people are really looking for. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That is really kind of it. But if you say it just like that, then it sounds like you're handling them as opposed to right. empathizing or listening. Yeah, it's it's a, so it's I, I like to talk a lot about empathy on this show because I think that empathy is really key to being a good DM or GM, whatever you want to use. I'd agree with that. Right. Even a good player like you have to be very conscious of what other people are thinking and feeling in a given moment. Right. You know, like there is a certain degree of we need to understand that my turn is over, you know, not in terms of I've performed all my actions, but I've been talking for 30 seconds. Right. And now maybe it's now maybe I should be done. I need to share that stage or, hey, I could solve this problem, but our rogue hasn't talked for a while. And, you know, they could they could use this character moment. Right. Um, I could easily solve the the rivalry between these two characters, but it's not my place. Yeah. You know, there uh, it would be fun to steal from my party members while they're sleeping. Oh my God. 
but that would only be fun for me and therefore i should not do that right <laughs> you know yeah. very simple things just um, you know don't don't be a selfish player or i i don't know what what's a what's a selfish dm look like is that like uh like the well certain names the, come to mind but i don't want to alienate people i really know you know the <laughs> <laughs> like the, you know, the, the DM head count, the guys who are, you know, power hungry or who are just yeah in there to, to, you know, fulfill a, an internal Well, I don't know what trip. a word for that would be, like maybe a DM tyrant or something, but the yeah. one name does pop into my head, which is Dexter, uh, because there was an episode of Dexter's Laboratory where Dexter was a DM. And he was exactly, he did everything wrong. He does, he does everything in that episode that DM should never do. Wow. Um, like he's playing against his um, players. Right. Like he's taking joy in, in their failings and suffering, but he's the world creator. No one's having fun. He's just tormenting people because they're dumber than him. Right. Um. And like he's just being unfair, and then his sister Dee Dee takes over. She doesn't even know anything, and she's like the best. But she's great because <laughs> the players are like, "I try this." She's like, "You sure do," and it works, and everyone loves you. And then they're like, "Yay!" <laughs> yeah. And that and, and Dexter's and like, "This is not correct. This is not how one plays the game. You don't even know the rules." Yeah, <laughs> and and that ex is exactly how much the rules matter. And speaking of rules... Yeah, that's my inspiration point today. I want to talk about rules. Okay. Um, yeah. The, yeah. So speaking of rules, um, we are coming up to the end of the fifth edition lifespan. What and makes you think that? Because every edition, at least recently, has been about seven to eight years in lifespan. Mm -hmm. You basically get a two-term presidency to be a D and D version. And you don't and we're think coming... that's going to be affected at all by, um, by how, how much, uh, like traffic fifth ed is getting with, uh, with like big streamers and stuff, folks that are generating quite a bit of money. Yeah, no, it's still doing well, but I don't think you wait until your product is doing badly to release. You mm. know, I think that you actually release at high popularity. Um, because people are going to be excited for that. I mean, sure. we are coming up to um, uh, the Icewind Dale setting here uh, pretty soon, the, or the campaign, I should say. Theros is about to come out. Right. Um, I I think some of the internal drama and politics is going to have an have an effect. Um, I think there is the release of um, Pathfinder Second Edition, which is going to apply some pressure. Right. I think that also fifth edition by its design lacks life. Hmm. And what I mean by that is it's not a bad system. I would never say that these, I mean, it's incredibly hard to make something like this, you know, yeah. and, 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 and clearly people enjoy this game and it is a financial success. Right. Okay. So I do not mean to disparage in any way, but I think that people are going to be interested to see, well, what is next? And, you know, with fourth edition, it felt like, okay, people really didn't like this. So we need to pivot. Yeah. Um, with third edition, people really liked it, but they thought, well, we can, we can get better sales numbers. 
you know, like if we can, if we can adjust and get more players in, then we're going to do that. And you can kind of see that with some of the design philosophy yeah, regarding fourth ed and, and some of those ideas were, were really great, <laughs> but a lot of them alienated former players. Right. And fifth edition in many ways feels like an apology to those things. Like it feels. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it very much goes back to third edition. I would say at its core. Look at while us. Still, we are most definitely not fourth edition. Please love us again. Please. Yeah. Please love us again. You know, it's like the Star Wars trilogy, right? The new one. Yeah. They're like, here, you like this? And everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. That's cool. And then. Episode eight, they're like, well, what about this? And everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, there's some cool stuff here, but this is not what I signed up for. Right. Like, this is, this is uh, wow, this is a real kind of 180 in some ways. And then uh, fifth edition is like episode nine, where it's like, there's like a lot of apologies. I guess it's not a fair comparison because fifth edition is good and episode nine is objectively terrible. <laughs> um, So it's probably not totally fair to make that comparison. Point being. There's a lot if of jumping we, around. There's a lot of jumping around. And uh, I think it, it may not, it might not be as soon as I think. Maybe it'll be a 10 year lifespan. Hmm. But it, um, but there's already rumblings. I'm, design work is already happening. And so what I'm thinking about is what can change and what can stay. Hmm. And I'm going to focus on the second part of that, which is what must stay hmm. in order for. D&D to be to remain D&D now in, in every version of Dungeons and Dragons many things have been carried over there are things that exist now that existed in first edition there are many things that are not the same right but are they at the at the core the same game hmm. right and I think at a certain point it, it if you if you overchange then it feels like you're playing a different system and there's certainly nothing wrong with with doing that but you can see with the the backlash regarding 4E, you know, there is this feeling that you did not make Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And I, to a large extent, disagree with a lot of those things. I really um, liked 4th edition for the most part, although I understood some of the complaints. Right. So this brings us to the two-party system. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so I'm going to call, I'm going to say that that the Dungeons and Dragons fandom is made of two parties. And the 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 first party is the conservatives. And the second party is, I'm not going to say liberals. I want to say progressives. Okay. Okay. So there's conservatives and there's progressives. And you can see the inherent difference there. Mm -hmm. Conservatives look at, D&D um, &D conservatives, I should say, look at the game and say, what is tradition? What must remain? What is a sacred cow? What what cannot change? And there and the are progressive. Many. Oh yeah, there's a ton, and and it, they seem to be older. So there's again. Oh some... yeah, the grognards, <laughs> man. Like they, this is this is what the game is and ought to be and always should be. And don't you dare lay a finger on it. Yeah, don't don't touch my don't touch my stuff. You know, right. and you know you could point out like you could just continue playing the former edition, and, and many do, and, and many do. Um, you know, there's third edition campaigns, the second edition campaigns that happen today. Um, so anyway, the, then the progressives, the D and D progressives, they say a lot about D and D can and should even change. Right. 
And some of that is is politically oriented, uh, like when we talk about are orcs inherently evil, right? And what's the deal with these dark elves? Yeah, and um, why are these things inherently lawful or chaotic? Like, what's the idea behind that? Or should um, they be? Why is, does this race have a negative on intelligence? That doesn't seem very nice, right? Um, but other things are like maybe the magic system isn't as good as it could be. Maybe uh, we need to deal with the cumbersome nature of stat blocks, you know, or of character creation. Like, how do I really get new players to be able to understand this quickly? And I would say that both parties have a really good point. Right. And they, in fact, they have several good points. Um, so I'm going to be kind of a centrist here. And what I really want to ask is, you know, what are those things where we need to make the conservatives happy <laughs> so that then we can give the rest to the progressives and say, well, can we change? What can we change? What things what things should stay and what things can go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say should go yet. I would say, I mean, there are some shoulds. Things like tying races to alignments doesn't seem to make any sense. I don't think hardly anyone agrees with that. Or even um, you could do scores for that matter, but yeah, right, yeah. There's, I think there's some debate there, but for the most part, we really don't like penalties, right? You know, we definitely, and we certainly don't want to penalize mental stats, you know, right? Because um, there is some, there's some things there that are a little bit problematic, and I think that the um, the real life political nature is having a a bigger effect on that, right? So okay. Let's. Uh... So I, I I did ask this question in the D and D Facebook group. Okay. Now, mind you, this is not a comprehensive study. Okay. I got sure. about twenty three people to comment. Um. So certainly not a very large sample. Right. Okay. Um. And this is just people's opinion. But I still wrote them all down, and I still tallied things that were repeated. Okay. Okay. So some of these are very, very good, and I more or less agree. Some of them, I think, are iffy, and I, I want to know what you think about these. So can we split them into the, uh, like, the must-stays or the things that can go? Do you have them split out into, like, which side they fall on? Um, I have things that have more or less tallies. So I can I can start high and kind of go from there. Sure. Let's do that. Um, well, okay. I'm going to start with this because I think that this is irrefutable. Okay. This is the best point that I read from the whole thing. There must be dungeons and there must be dragons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that one too. I think we can all agree, liberal or, sorry, progressive or conservative, um, there must be dungeons and dragons. Otherwise, the name kind of makes no sense. Also, those things are great. Yes, those things are great. But, you know, uh, all, all joking aside... You know, what we need to ask here is what is the game that we are playing? You know, and I, I'm certainly guilty of trying to make D&D do things it's not supposed to do. Sure. Um, and the the points, I think, is clear that maybe sometimes if you want to have a different experience, you should play a different system that's built for that. Sure. So, I agree. So this comment goes to what experience are we essentially talking about? This is this is medieval fantasy. We are here to kill monsters and loot treasure. That is right. the central crux of what is happening. Yep. And 
Um, that's not to say that's all that should be in your game, but it should definitely be present. Right. Otherwise, there are other systems that may be preferable. Right. Okay. Second thing. And this, I think, got it was tied for the most tallies, uh, which was the D20 mechanic. Uh, there needs to be a 20-sided die that is rolled. Uh, there were other comments that I folded into this, like um, there need to be other polyhedral dice. This is a staple, right? This is part of that Dungeons & Dragons experience. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that so far? I think, I think the D20 is definitely a... Um, um, it's iconic. You yeah. you have, you know, it's it's always been a part of D&D, the way that you'd make a check. It's always, I grab a D20. Um, yeah. And I, I do feel like it even has uh, some tactile um, importance, like just how a D20 feels in your hand and just the mental connection that you make with, okay, I'm trying to do a thing. I grab this die. I always have grabbed this die. I throw this die. And the D20 itself comes with um, with some ideas ingrained in it, like, you know, the natural 20. The natural 20, yeah. Right? And you're not going to get that on a D10 or a D6 or, you know, whatever. Um, it also kind of rolls like a ball. Right. But not like the D100 would, where you have to, like, wait for it to chill. <laughs> yeah, because it's basically a golf ball. It's basically a golf ball, yeah. But the D20 does offer that sort of built-in, it's still rolling drama uh, to an extent. Right. But but without being obnoxious. Yeah. Um, we've we've all rolled the 20 and watched it go from, like, like almost turn on a on one number and then fall finally on the other one. Yeah. Uh, virtual dice. You also see this a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's something about that feeling the game in your hand. Yeah. Like physically, you know, and even when we play on platforms like roll 20, a lot of people still enjoy using physical dice. Right. Now, typically I'd only allow that for like a dungeon master. Um, because, you sort of expect that the DM can fudge all he wants, but you know, in a platform like that, it's hard to justify for a player unless you just really trust that person. Sure. Um, okay. So there's that, um, ability scores. This one actually really surprised me because I really was getting the feeling that people were kind of fed up. Yeah. And, um, again, this is not comprehensive, but a lot of people said, um, there have to be the six ability score. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're not even changing them. There have to be six. They have to be these ability scores. Right. And that is, if you do not have this, you are not playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I, and I tend to lean that way as well. Although I think we still have room to redefine what those things ultimately do. Yeah. And I have some ideas about that, but that'll be for another time. Sure. I think, I think, what the I think what the what the stats are definitely should remain. Um, I was listening to uh, some of the the guys over at System Mastery recently, and they had um, mentioned the point of the scores themselves being yeah, they, those could go away, and it, and yeah. you know. That thought has crossed my mind before, too. Like, okay, the only number, with very few exceptions, that you're ever really interacting with 
is the modifier, the plus one, the plus right. two, the plus three. Right. And the score itself never factors in ever. So it's like, well, why not? Well, not ever, but for some stats, that is true that they never factor in. Right. So um, like your your raw strength, I, I believe, has something um, that like affects your carrying capacity and stuff like that. But but would it be beyond so that, it really hard doesn't. to make a version where, no. you know, no, it wouldn't be. You have a plus three. You you have a three in strength, and you just start saying that that three is really really good, and then mm-hmm. you know multiply it by whatever, and that's how many pounds you can carry. Boom, done. Yeah, I I see the sense in that. I ultimately do not lean that way, uh, but I see the sense in it, and I think the ultimate point is that there do need to be the six stats. Yeah. Um, I would just add back in a lot of the stuff we saw in third edition, where there are more prerequisites. Um, for things like feats, um, mm. where the odd numbers do become um valuable, um, but I think we just make that more valuable. Sure. Uh, e- either through that method or through some other method, but the um, yeah. Anyway, don't want to get bogged down in that. Um, next is classes. Classes do need to exist. Um, mm. at, at least in the minds of a lot of people. If I think if sixth edition came out and they said. D&D is now a classless system. I think people would say that's cool, but I do not I, I no longer recognize my game. Hmm. Uh with that came level progression. A lot of people were like I want classes, I want level progression. I want to see I am a level 5 paladin. Yeah. You know, like that is part of the experience. And I think that part of what paints this experience is sort of the culture and memes, dare I say, that surround things like D&D, like you just how many shirts have been printed that have d20s on them yeah. you know um how many jokes about alignment exist yeah uh though i will say no one mentioned alignment well because i, th- which I think a lot really of people are over it but yeah yeah it surprised me though i thought someone would mention it hmm. as just like a point of tradition and there have been other threads where someone brings up alignment and there are you know impassioned discussions or yeah uh, about like what 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 are good and evil like what do those things mean but well anyway the fact that 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 discussion is so anytime it comes up it is this massive discussion where there there is never like a hard answer which in itself kind of makes having that in there a not a necessity because it's 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 something that um it's something that you can't define correct yeah now there is some um you know our mutual friend points out that in the setting there are gods they literally exist right and there are places that literally literally exist but i would argue that even those things are ultimately written by a person yeah who is doing their best to quantify um morality in some way right and that makes it really difficult i think the alignment system although it is part of D culture could theoretically leave well and also if you if you really look at it the you know when we're talking about the the gods and the places and stuff those are things that are related to the setting so you know if you're not playing forgotten realms the pantheon yeah. that you're dealing with and the way that the world 
views certain issues changes, you know, yes. and it might it might change a very little bit. It might change drastically. Um, but in terms of the core rule set, the core rules of D&D do do not and maybe should not be um, tied to any kind of setting. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is the main point, because I think you can make the argument that, no, we need an alignment grid in Forgotten Realms because the planes exist, because gods exist, and they define what these concepts mean. Sure. And and then I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I, I can work within that framework for the setting. But I do, I would like for Dungeons and Dragons to become a little bit more setting agnostic. Yeah. Um where they can exist anywhere. I mean, I'm a big home brewer, yeah. so it's, you know, I'm biased anyway. Um, why read endless <laughs> bits of lore when I can just make it up? It's hard enough to remember the stuff I made up, sure. you know? Um, but anyway, and I mean, I have full respect for the settings, of course. Right. Um, but, you know, in, in my universe that I run, there is no objective morality. Mm -hmm. um, there, you, there are cultural preferences that exist, most beings don't want to be killed. You know, there's things like this, but for the most part, things are fairly subjective. Mm -hmm. So not that I want to get bogged down in a philosophical discussion, but um, okay. So classes have to exist. Uh, levels have to exist, at least according to this. I do think we could deal with fewer classes. You know, this is something you and I talked about earlier. Yeah. I don't, I think there could be four classes. You said three. I yeah. think that both of those are good. I don't see why Paladin doesn't need to be like, built into the fighter as opposed to being completely separate. I mean, even in fifth edition, the paladin doesn't truly, in my opinion, become a paladin until level three. Well, and that can be said for darn near any class. Like your class doesn't really come online and feel like it's intended to feel until level three because they designed most of the classes with level one and two basically trying to be like training wheels which is odd though because it's it's inconsistent in that way because wizards get to have their school um at level one mm. and wizard in many ways um is like the most complex class that exists sure so that's a little bit strange. Clerics also, I would say, are the most complex class. And they they get their domain at level one. Hmm. But then fighter, which is like the easiest class. Yeah. <laughs> level three. Like, I, I really, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, we could build a lot of things. And I believe this is what they're doing with second edition of Pathfinder where you can just buy things from other classes when you take feats. Mm. And then instead of multi-classing, you're now just, you're a fighter, but you're basically a ranger. Right. You know, and, and I think that makes sense. I would go further and say there are different routes to take to get to certain ideas. Like take the ranger, for instance. You know, you could get there from being a fighter. I think you could also get there from being a rogue. Yeah. You know, um, just... You have different focuses, and, and I think that's okay. Yeah. But it, it, now I'm getting off topic, though. I'm starting to talk about what I would like to see as opposed to what must remain. Um, Moving on. Uh, Let's see. Oddly enough, uh, I got a couple of comments that mentioned AC and HP. Yeah, I could see that. I, I thought that was a little odd because, um, you know, I guess they're 
there is this feeling that there needs to be a target number to beat. Right. Almost nobody seriously said they wanted Thacko back. One person said maybe AC could be negative. Um, one person said Thacko, but then put a laughing emoji next to it. Right. Um, which is I I don't I don't think anyone's honestly no. arguing for Thacko to come back. But there is that staple of I you I want a target number that I hit. Someone a couple people specified that um the hit and damage roll needed to be separate. So I think that those things come together. In that there is some some kind of AC, there's some kind of HP. Although if you did have, if you somehow managed to have the hit and damage uh, one roll. points in one roll, can you imagine how much faster that would make fights? Yeah, it could really save time. Although, I mean, we use roll 20 and it gives you all the numbers up front and it still seems to take forever. So I don't, I don't know. I, I have another idea about that. I would get rid of the bonus action entirely, but that mm. that's another discussion. Um, let's see. Oh, my, I got to turn my phone back on. All right. Oh, here's a good one. There needs to be a dungeon master. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. But like a couple of people mentioned, there needs to be the player dungeon master relationship. Mm. They do different things. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that's kind of inherent to basically tabletop role playing games. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, once you get into DMless systems, you start leaning into board games. You have uh, games like like Gloomhaven, which uh, basically have all the DM stuff handled either by written material or um, card decks. Which for for uh, for games like that, um, they they can sometimes do. Uh, very good job i mean gloomhaven is an extremely well-made game but yeah you, sure. you do lose the um the versatility that a human dm offers i mean that that's also why you know there to this day there still remains this pretty significant divide between what you can get out of a tabletop rpg versus a computer rpg because sure at the end of the day even a computer so far doesn't doesn't really know how to tell slash make up you know a compelling story or how to adapt to the to its players in a fun way all on its own yeah at least not yet right right <laughs> oh i'm sure it'll get there and that day will be yeah. amazing slash super horrifying <laughs> Yeah, when they when they make the game a little too real for you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a barring Watson. Yeah, there is that human element because even though I said before, this is ultimately about going through dungeons and fighting dragons. Um, there is that my character is meaningful. That they are an individual. Yes. Um, I think the backgrounds in Five E were really successful. Um, in bringing that idea in and, and kind of saying the role play aspect of this game is in fact important. Yep. And I think with, I think that's, uh, tied inherently to the dungeon master. Yeah. You cannot have that story experience, at least currently without a human being making that experience meaningful to the best of their ability. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, saving throws. I'm iffy about that one, but that's something someone mentioned. Yeah. Um saving Okay, here that that is that is an interesting one. Um that was another th 
thing that they kind of mentioned a bit on system mastery and it had me thinking that um getting away from the what fifth ed did with the with the six saves and going back to like fortitude reflex will where yes where it basically means that you have a your character has a much higher chance of um, being able to contribute meaningfully to each kind of save would be nice. You know, what is a charisma saving throw? Like, I, I don't understand what it is. I mean, I get that mechanically it's kind of interesting to say, well, my charisma is now a defense. That's neat. But it, I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sense of it. I think, I think <laughs> making sense of it is like, um, it's resisting like force of personality stuff or things that would sure. that would uh, take away your free will or your personality, which is, I guess, generally quantified, albeit poorly, by the charisma score. Yeah, see, or to stat, me, rather. charisma is inherently offensive in a way. Like it's something that you actively do. As opposed to, um, it's not like a, it's not like constitution, right? And like, con like it's hard to make constitution do stuff because it's inherently passive as opposed to active. Right. Right. And so it's like, yeah, it, you even mentioned will in your example. It's like, that makes me think of willpower. That makes me think of will saves, right? Like wisdom still beats this. If the used car salesman comes up to you and tries to convince you to spend money on a car, that you shouldn't be spending on you don't you don't re resist him because you're good looking and can speak well you resist him because you remember that your dad said uh don't listen to this guy and your wife said if you come home with a car you can't afford we're getting divorced <laughs> right like <laughs> that's that's like uh you know that's wisdom so anyway it's i, I don't want to spend too much time on sure. that because i ne we need to get your point in and i'm i'm talking too much okay <laughs> okay um here we go here's here's the big one here's the here's the most controversial point all right in my opinion jack vance cast casting get rid of it the the spell system bye bye vance yeah and casting you don't like that no it, it so i don't make any sense to me it never has i ne i i've never been a big fan either um, i think but that, i will that it's what contributes heavily to what makes casters so freaking difficult to use. Yes, it it can. It does do other positives. Okay. Um but I I agree with you up front. Like it to me it's hard to explain this spellcasting style to a new player. Um because I think most of us at least today, we don't come from books, we come from video games. Right. And and uh films and stuff like that. And so we we think of things like point systems that feels more intuitive to today's gamer. Right. Um, the the reason why it's called Jack Vance, right, is because it comes from this science fiction author. Or Vancean, Vancean casting. Right. Yeah. But again, it's yeah. based on this this Vance author who wrote um, who wrote science fiction and fantasy novels, and Gary Gygax basically plagiarized it. Right. <laughs> like he was heavily inspired. And he thought, oh, man, these books are great. I'm going to just put this almost word for word right into my game. And that is how we got it. Mm. So now I would not 
attempt to argue that it is good or bad because of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to put things into context so we can talk about whether or not they can change. Sure. So I will say this. When when 4th Edition came out, they essentially got rid of it. Uh, when 4th Edition came out, they did the powers. I think where 4th Edition went wrong is that they gave everybody powers and that b- by so doing, they made every um, class feel like a similar experience. Yeah. Which made the game very consumable for new players. Very, very, very. But it also alienated experienced players that wanted to go beyond, I shoot a guy, he moves, or he gets stunned, or some other effect. It's like, it was always like, shoot, damage, effect, right? Right. Like, it was very formulaic, and that ironically took the magic out of magic. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of spells in the book are interesting because there are these big, long paragraphs that are difficult to comprehend. But that also gives them their their fluidity. Yeah, it it allows for that imagination. But we but then we could set that aside and we could say, okay, fine, let's leave those alone. But what what do we do about how we actually like? Why do I have to prepare spells? Why do I have to memorize them? How how is it that I forget them? Yeah, after I use them, and again, it's just it's completely out of that book or the, that series of books. Mm-hmm. This is what the play what the characters in the books would experience. And it gave magic this sort of narrative weight that was really interesting. But you don't feel that when you cast burning hands. Yep. Right? You don't feel that cool unless the group of kobolds is lined up just so. Right? Like it's pretty rare that you cast a spell, at least at low levels, and feel awesome. Yeah. It you don't really don't feel awesome till about level five. You know, when you're casting Fireball and Lightning Bolt, that's when you actually feel like a mage. Yeah. Well, and and then on top of that, the and I, I don't know if this is something that Gary Gygax really appreciated or not, but a book is an utterly different medium than a game. If yeah, I want sure. a character in a book I'm writing that is just a novel or whatever to do something, mm-hmm. I can just say they do it and I can explain it however I want with as little or as much context or explanation as I want. And so long as it's cool to read or sounds good or isn't just completely nonsensical on the face of it, it's fine. But in when you're making a game mechanic it has to be fun and it has to be functional and it has to work for the system in the best way possible Mm -hmm. um and obviously they they made it work and it has worked at least to some degree or not for you know decades um but i think like the the way that it worked in the books, as far as I understand, was very limited. Like the characters were not memorizing like tens of spells. They'd memorize like two or something like that. Like yeah. they're, you're dealing with a much lower quantity, which is mm-hmm. much easier to appreciate and kind of wrap your head around. But when you start yeah. going like, OK, I can only memorize 25 spells and six of them can be level one and 
four of them can be level two. It the numbers start making things feel weirdly arbitrary and start making things feel very counterintuitive. I and I ultimately agree with you f- for pretty much that reason. Like, yes, we're not reading a book, we are playing a game. Now, it is books are inherently part of that experience right. because we're telling a story. But that's I think where the where we get to the point. The Forgotten Realms are are made with this idea that magic comes from this weave of magic, right? right? And you access that. That's why the spells are specific. That's why they enter and exit your brain in the manner in which they do. So I see the Vance system as tied to certain settings within Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it was even But if we were to it was it was Greyhawk initially, wasn't it? Uh it may have been, yes. I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. I think you're I right. mean we could but, Google it, but we already know how we feel but about no, that. We already established that that's not what we no. do. Um because I totally didn't Google Jack fans before I got here. Uh but anyway um <laughs> uh, the um but I think if what I would do and and not to get too far into what I think the solutions are, but like, I think if we, I think we should go into sixth edition with the idea that it is setting agnostic. Yeah. And I think that like, not, not in terms of like medieval fantasy, like it needs to be that, but in terms of what specific world and continent you live in, I think we can separate from that. And to that extent, I think that an alternative magic system is acceptable. And I think that you could put this system, this Vancian system into something like the Greyhawk player's guide. Yeah. And say, when I play, when we play the Greyhawk setting, when we play Forgotten Realms, whatever we do, then this is the magic system that is used. And I think that that's acceptable. Yeah, I think that could work too. Okay. So I don't know exactly what the right uh, response is. Maybe that'd be a good time for a different episode. Yeah, it could be. Okay, so uh, I'll go really fast and then we'll just close it up, okay? Okay. Okay. Forgotten Realms lore, that's something someone mentioned. Um, Specific spells, monsters, and items. This could be its own episode, right? Like, there must be a Holy Avenger. There must be a Beholder. Sure, yeah. There must be magic missile. The like there, are, there are a few iconic things that we just they need to live on in some fashion. Um, there is experience. I think that goes with levels. I think people are open to how you get experience, but people generally think that experience points are part of the part of the experience. Um, let's see what does that is? oh DC targets. Basically, this goes along with the D twenty system. Yeah. Um. I roll, I add a bonus, I beat a number. People like that. Yeah. That's simple. Anyone can understand that. Um, then there's races. Actually, this kind of surprised me, but people like fantasy races. Well, yeah, um, fantasy races are that. That's one where I I would have said that too. Like, you know, let me be a half orc, let me be a dwarf, let me be an elf. Like that's those are those are among those kind of iconic ideas um that you have this world populated with strange but equally intelligent creatures from you know possibly different different worlds or different exotic places agreed um yeah there is there's a lot of importance there now we can adjust how they work we can adjust how they behave um we can be really flexible you know i'm doing a homebrew system right now where you can hybrid races together 
because people are all interbreeding. Um, and I think that's been kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it's not necessary, you know, but race is something that people like. Uh, they want to think, what am I and what do I do? Right. Yeah. That's race and class. Okay. Yeah. Um, and people like that combination as part of character creation. And no one mentioned backgrounds, but I think that that is something that's going to carry over. And I think it should. Backgrounds are a great idea. That was a very, dare I say, inspired uh, idea that, that they had in Fifth Ed. And, um, Although I find the bond and the, the ideal to be kind of similar, and maybe we didn't need both, but um, I also would have put it near the front of the book. Yes. Because whenever I make a character, I actually go background first yeah uh but that might just because be because of what they give backgrounds in terms of mechanics i don't know there we can play with it but i think those three things are going to be the combination that goes forward yeah um okay fantasy setting tropes that goes again with the dungeons and dragons aspect like if it doesn't feel like that you're not playing this game right um critical hits that I, again i think is built into the 20 sided die yeah the natural 20 needs to matter yeah um turn based um someone mentioned that i don't know how you would i, think, I don't know how you would do it not turn based i mean are you going to have i guess a, everyone has timers free i don't know for all like all right quick everybody roll all your stuff all at the same time everybody talk at once and make just chaotic <laughs> freaking mayhem like because this game is not chaotic already yeah right no Uh, turn based is just this that's kind of given yeah Yeah. that's um there is uh someone mentioned multi-classing i don't think that is endemic to no uh, or i don't think it's inherent to the system i actually disagree with it although i like multi-classing but i don't think you must have it to have a DD experience um Okay, so that's pretty much the list. I again, just to recap really quick, I think the big ones are the feeling of the setting, the Dungeons and Dragons, the race class combination, uh, the ability scores, some kind of magic system. <laughs> yeah, you you must and have magic. There also must be levels and some kind of progression system. Yeah, uh, and then I would also throw in the specific um, uh, pieces of D and D that have existed like certain monsters. Yeah. yeah. I, so I agree. Those yeah. are, those are all really, really interesting things. And I think, I think you pretty much got it. Um, I, I didn't find myself thinking of anything else that was so, that was so iconic that I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget to mention this. Like you, it seems like you hit everything. Yeah, there's there's probably something, and if uh, if we did miss anything, then comment Maybe, wherever like, we make that feats, available. Feats and skill usage. Yeah, you know, I think that was kind of um, hinted at by talking about target numbers. Yeah, I do think that sixth edition does need to provide more customization, and and I think yes, that feats are a really good way to do that. While I like the concept of feats being big character changing important things instead of having a whole bunch that budge numbers i think that not every feat accomplished that goal and feats are largely easy to disregard so it's it 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 didn't always carry with it that sense of customization it it sucks but if you make two half-orc fighters they tend to be really really similar yeah 
And, uh, you know, as a, as someone who's been playing this game for a long time, I would like to see more diversity in individuals. Yeah. Individual characters. I agree. Okay. So that was my inspiration point. The D and D sacred cows. What is yours? My inspiration point is one that is near and dear to my heart. And you're, you're gonna, you're, you're not going to be surprised one bit when you hear this. Uh, it is memorable moments. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, I know, I know. That's that's what Andrew's all about. That's that is what Andrew is all about. Um, and uh, to give to give you uh, everyone who's listening a, a tiny bit of background, uh, when we were in school uh, in our game design classes, memorable moments were one of those things that uh, got talked about a lot in our game design classes. And it's there, you know, as the name would suggest, things that just stick with you from a game. And um, you have these times in a game where you're, you're kind of, you'll kind of go through the motions or use the mechanics and different abilities and stuff to go through the game. And, you know, it's, it's fun but it can also be kind of rote or, you know, you get into a rhythm and you're just going through the game. But then there are these big moments, maybe big's not even the right word, but impactful moments somehow that stick with you, that really, uh, you know, resonate with you or feel really special in some way, shape or form. Um, and I, I would go maybe so far as to say that these things are um, maybe not the most important thing in a game, but one of the most important things. And certainly when it comes to um, a good RPG session, you want to have those moments that really just, you know, they hit you in just the right way or they leave you with something. Um, so my inspiration point uh, kind of question is, what is a memorable moment? Why are they important? And how do we make them? Yeah, that's a really excellent question, because I think what we're all trying to do when we play this game is have a shared experience right. in this story. And without those moments, you know, that's what we kind of live for. We yeah. fill in space between those moments with story because it gives those moments weight. You know, yep. this is like the opposite of like a Zack Snyder film where, <laughs> where yeah. it's only memorable moments and thus sure. none of it matters. Right, right, right. You yeah. Know? You, you have to have set up. You need, you know, they talk about this a lot with, uh, with like TV and, uh, or at least kind of, you know, the prestige dramas and movies and things like that, where, characters will have these big dramatic moments or these big payoffs and they'll talk about whether or not the character earned it yes. or or whether you know it's like oh they they just had this big tearful reunion with this other character who you've only heard them mention like once or you know clearly the the lead up to whatever that moment was doesn't really justify the size yeah. Or importance of that moment. Yeah, you don't have that catharsis, right? Like it feels right. like an empty victory. It doesn't or, make sense. Or an unachievement. 
uh, to that end, I would like you to maybe grade the memorable moment I attempted to create for you yesterday. Okay. Because um, I gave you an item, and I... Well, it, I, it, 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 was, it was more than you just giving me an item. Well, exactly. Um, so, please, go ahead. <laughs> so, a, a, a little bit of background in, in, <laughs> in keeping with what we were saying. You know, we want this to feel like... Uh, like it's paying off. So uh, my character's name is Landsver Nevermind, and he's a little gnome um, who wants to be a, a merchant, but is also a cleric. Now, the cleric domain that I have is a homebrew that, uh, for all of you at home, that Adam made up for this setting, and it's the fortune domain. That is overseen by Garl Glittergold. Um, and it's very, very cool. So in in conjunction with Fortune and Garl Glittergold's domain, there's also a kind of um, I guess the the religious philosophy of fortune follows this thing that we've been calling the wheel. Now the wheel is this analogy that through life you are on a wheel and as the wheel turns or as you go through life the wheel is turning and when things are good you're on top of the wheel when things are bad you're underneath the wheel but so long as you're holding on and you're giving things time it'll always come back around things are never always good things are never always bad so by the way I stole all of this from the tarot but Please continue. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. But it it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. um and Landsver has been through his efforts of trying to become a merchant and settling in this new uh new town that he and the fellow party members are trying to help settle. Mm-hmm. Um he's been trying to become more and more in tune with the wheel and with what Garl Glittergold could offer to the world and uh, what it means, what all that means to himself. Um, and for a while, Lanzavere had been making efforts to kind of bring the philosophy of fortune and the wheel to, to the town that they're a part of and to the individuals they run into. And the town that we founded even uh, wound up being called Fortune Falls because it's it's got this nice waterfall. I feel like we've gone way too far back. <laughs> oh, it's no, it's but it's this is the this is all the different ways that the idea of fortune and the wheel has kind of come into come into play. It hasn't been a small thing. There have been little points of it all over the place. Um but Lanzavere has not actually really had an honest-to-goodness divine experience yet. But now we get to last night's uh, session, and we go to this, uh, to this, basically it was a dungeon, and in this dungeon, Lanzavere finds a part of a wand, and it was this kind of, you know, sort of, nondescript slightly shimmery kind of wand um but picking it up realizes that it's that it's incomplete um 
But as he picks it up, he starts hearing music in his head. And we are playing over Roll20. So Adam's actually using music. Um, and uh, for anyone who wants to look it up, he was... Uh, what well, what was what was the song called, Adam? Uh, it was uh, Mrs. Durkin. Uh, mi- no, sorry, Mrs. Durkin from the Irish Rovers. And it's a terrific, terrific because I song. feel like the Irish Rovers sound like gnomes. <laughs> it, it was it's it's such a fun such a fun song. And I, they do I've mention been, things like gold in the song. Like you know, I try to think about it. It was it was really really perfect. So uh, Lansbear starts walking around trying to figure out like okay what's the deal with this thing and as he starts moving kind of back and forth through the rooms that we had already kind of walked through the volume of the music starts changing and it becomes clear pretty soon that it's a very strange game of hot or cold (laughs) and depending on where lands of air went the music would get quieter or louder so eventually he comes to what seemed to be this kind of stone block or whatever that didn't seem to have a lid but now it seems that it actually does have a lid he opens it and inside amongst several other things is a tiny little like a wagon wheel and he puts it up to the wand and all of a sudden there's a flash and these things kind of come together and the wand changes and becomes covered in gold and gems and stuff and the the wheel starts kind of revolving around this this uh magnificent looking rod then he is transported away from this dungeon we were in and finds himself smack in the middle of these rolling green fields with these happy, jolly, well-fed gnomes just living their best life, happy as can freaking be, and the music is, like, pumping, everybody's having a good time, and it is, like, the most picturesque setting ever. And there on the hill is this massive gold mansion surrounded by like a wall of gold bars and stuff like that is crazy and lands of air almost starts weeping at how beautiful this is and he even looked at um the spirit guardians that he uses because clerics have the spirit guardian spell and they're basically these three really rowdy leprechauns who just when they show up in a fight they just pummel the tar out of whatever is around and it's super great um but instead of being these spirits they are actually there in the flesh kind of walking with them and talking with them and having a great time and then as lansvere starts walking toward what i imagined was garl glittergold's palace they basically say hey sorry to sorry to do this but uh you can't actually be here too long so your time is up and he turns around and one of the one of the leprechauns basically gives him a good thump on the head and snaps him back to reality um and that that moment if there was if there was a grade higher than a i i'd give it it's that. s it, it yes and it <laughs> it was an s rank memorable yeah. moment it was it's been it's been a long time since 
I encountered a moment that felt that special. There was enough weirdness to it. There was enough stuff there that kind of threw me. Like, I wasn't expecting the music. And then the fact that you said that my character was the only one that could hear it, too, was mm -hmm. like, okay, this is interesting. Plus, it makes it feel really, really special. Like, okay, this, this is clearly not for everyone. This is just for you. And and then kind of thinking about... I like to make you feel special, buddy. It's, you know, and I like <laughs> when you f make me feel special. Yeah, man. It's... Um, and I think that that moment... Um, that moment really exemplified what can make the best memorable moments. Sometimes a memorable moment doesn't need to be, you know, explosions and, and rock music, though I'm very down with that. <laughs> um, it they can right. be they can be these small or smaller things. And they also don't necessarily have to be for everyone all at the same time. Um, I think one of the things that made the moment memorable was that it it felt special. It felt like it it would this would not have made any sense if it happened to any other character. It was for Lanzavere and and it was a quintessentially Lanzavere thing for him to to go through and it fit with what he'd been pursuing up to this point he's been wanting to like encounter garl glittergold in some way to know that he's like doing a good job or that you know that he's that he's lining up with what he's trying to line up with um and the way it all happened was was perfect I mean, you find this wand, and it, to be clear, the wand was found in, hidden inside, like, a big, like, like, a big amphora filled with, like, cremation ashes or something. It was not like, oh, here's a nice glass case with half a wand. So, like, you initially get this sense that, like, I don't know if we should actually take anything that's in here, but there was enough there where where I at least kind of got this gut sense like, okay, I despite the circumstances, I think I I need to take this thing. And then the music comes in. I'm like, okay, this is even weirder. Hey, you were just like confused for like a minute. I <laughs> it really was, was. It was great. Like I <laughs> I heard the music and I literally typed to Adam, okay, am I supposed <laughs> to actually be interpreting things from these lyrics? Because I'm like sitting here trying to understand these guys and they're, they're very Irish. So, and then the, the volume was also kind of low. So I'm like trying to crank it up in my <laughs> roll 20 settings. So I'm like, so I can get a good read on it. But, but on my end, I have it cranked all the way down, like just to be barely audible. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm like, I don't even realize I'm fighting this. And, and the way the, the hot and cold mechanic came into it, I even summoned my spirit guardians to go like, Hey guys, check this out. Like. What do you think of this? And they start talking about it, but some of them are like really hedging towards like, no, 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 don't, don't tell them too much. Or, 
you know, things like that. And they start kind of doing this funny back and forth, which is just Adam talking to himself. Um, I, do that all, I do that a lot during these games. <laughs> and you, you do. I've seen you do some marital disputes that are a riot. Um, yeah, at the end, like, uh, one of the other players is like, is everything okay at home? Is everything all right? <laughs> like, yeah, I've just watched a lot of movies and TV. Um, but, you know, all this comes down to the the craft of the whole thing and the the obvious amount of thought and care that went into it. And I think that that's probably at the top of what uh, what's vital in a memorable moment is knowing your player, knowing what kind of things they really enjoy and knowing what they're trying to do with their character and tailoring something to hit just for them. Because if you make something general that you think will hit for everyone it will not feel as special because although it could still be really awesome yes it absolutely can it could be be really awesome really but there but there are these moments that you would like to make personal and i think that that's an important thing to sometimes include and also be careful not to take too much time because everyone else is basically watching this yes yes and i think that we did manage to complete this moment Within a few minutes, and and so it wasn't yeah. too bad for the other players, uh, but I think that ultimately, you know, when you consider all the the context, the time taken, his efforts as a player, you know, giving him essentially all I did was give a guy a magic item, right? You know, I essentially this is the big long story of how Lanzaver got a wand of wonder, um, which I am gonna use the big Jesus <laughs> out of. Now, alternatively, I could say there's a chest. It's locked. Okay. I roll to unlock it. Okay, cool. It's unlocked. What's in it? There's a wand of wonder. Neat. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And where now, you know, you might even look at a wand of wonder that way and go, eh, you know, it, it can do some cool stuff. It can also mess you up, but good. So, you know, I could, I could even see some players going, you know, I may just, I may even just sell this for a tidy sum mm-hmm. and put that towards something else. But now this is an item that for Lanzavere feels feels like something that was like almost handed to him directly by Garl Glittergold, almost literally. And yeah. he he <laughs> he you couldn't pay him enough to get rid of this freaking thing. Nope. Yeah. Like it's a it's an actual gift from God. And it's like, what? Um, so, you know, use it, sell it, you know, whatever you got to do. Just uh, <laughs> wanted to let you know you're doing a great job. Thanks, kid. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And I I think, um, so I think it's, that was a very good example of a memorable moment. And I think the, I think the best moments, too, are ones that hopefully, if, at least if you've been an attentive player, are ones that you can enjoy even if it's not your moment. You know, where where you can be watching this happen from the outside and still understand why it's special and to have fun. Have fun watching this other player's moment happen. Because yeah. ideally, the, 
you know, the DM is going to, they're going to bring it around. Everybody ideally should, should get something at some point. They should yeah, everyone have. gets their episode. Everybody gets their chapter. Everybody gets their special item. Right. You know, nobody's going to be left behind. And but that's a really, really, really good point to be happy for each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, we keep coming back to basically empathy and like the secret ingredient is love. But it kind of is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it sucks it when someone else is like, anyway, so I do this like while you're trying to build up a moment oh, like that. like. God, a few that. weeks ago, you know, you and I were playing in the same game and, and these two characters had been siblings the whole time and only right. one of them knew it because the other was in a disguise. Oh, God. And, yeah. you know, this hadn't been revealed for, for weeks. In you know, fact, and for months, my, really. my own character almost blew the one character's cover completely inadvertently earlier yeah. in the earlier in the uh, in the campaign he was like pestering about about some uh, information relating to the whole thing that he didn't realize that it was sensitive or tied to this whole like cover that he had going on and when this reveal happened he's like dude if we weren't playing over roll 20 if we were all actually around a table i would have freaking lost it and we were the whole thing would have gotten blown, but because yeah. we were doing this over roll twenty, like man, did that moment! You, you could just hit. mute yourself if you need to. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, and it was a big moment. We could all be happy for that for those players because they were both experiencing this, and this was, a, you know, good for the whole story. It was good for them, and it wasn't even necessarily like like a happy ish. Like it was pretty, if anything, bittersweet. Oh, which to me is like the ultimate feeling you can give a player. Right. Right. Yeah. That's like awesome. You know, when you can get a player to tear up, you know, to kind of choke up a bit. Yeah. Like, mm, that's (laughs) that's DM candy right there. You know, I made another one of our players kind of tear up the other uh, like a week ago. And uh, mm, I feel good. Like he messaged me and was like, dude, I kind of cried a little. And I was like, yes. <laughs> you sick bastard. <laughs> no, it, it, it's true, though. You know, if if you are a storyteller, the the main thing you want to do is be able to elicit that raw emotional response. And Lands of Air is a very he is probably the most positive light-hearted character i've ever played my my character type is generally the uh in in the game where we had the uh the characters who were siblings i'm playing a, a goliath brawler who's maxed out on strength and you know his whole uh his whole he's m- basically if choke slam was a guy yeah <laughs> yeah that's a great and, if, and a lot of your characters in the past have been similar. I mean, you've you've yeah. got some varieties there. You have, you know, a couple of wizards, a couple of rogues in there. Right. But for but a lot of I've times you kind of come back to big guy, big weapon. Yeah. And and, and it's fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, mainly, I mean, I've I've explained this to Adam, but uh, you know, 
one of the things I that brings me to those kind of characters is their physical ability allows for a lot of freedom in interaction, like with the environment. You mm-hmm. you feel very capable, and it's it's a very it's a very safe feeling when you're a character that's huge like that. It's very easy to feel like this kind of unstoppable machine, and it it really you know it hits that that nice kind of power feeling where it's like oh yeah you know i'm i'm amazing like you know and it uh it plays into that power fantasy that a lot of us uh either knowingly or maybe not so much come into D with and it it definitely has been kind of my safe zone but with lands of air i wanted to really try going a different direction where yeah he's not tragic he's not He's not at all tragic, which is great. That's actually my favorite part. It's mine too. <laughs> he's he's so He's not this brooding protagonist that's like everyone I know is dead. <laughs> yeah, like his parents are both alive and in a loving, happy relationship and yeah, his they mom are. makes him a re- makes him really nice breakfast whenever he's Yes, home. she does. And uh, you know, it's been it's been really cool to to kind of go through this different. different experience. And well, I think one thing that's important to point out here is like if if you if player makes a character who is like I'm a big guy with a big weapon, you need to give him the big guy with a big weapon moment. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think sometimes we we hold back too much and too often. Although I will also say that you cannot do big moments like this every time. Sure. You know if. if you know, there, there. You run the risk of it losing its impact. You run the risk of exhaustion. Right. You know, it's fun to make a character cry in a bittersweet way, but if they can't do that every week, <laughs> yeah, like you're not gonna want to play if if you know every single session you're going to be actively grieving. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, like that's no, rough. this is too much. And you know, and you can't build up in that in that same way, you know. Um, so I, I think a big part of creating memorable moments is is like you said at the very beginning, it's that earning. You know, do yeah. I did I earn this? Did this feel earned? You know, if you defeat the necromancer to avenge your uh, your father who was a paladin before you, and lying in his grave, he holds the holy avenger in his hands. You know, mm. that's a big moment for, for that player, right? Yeah. Like, I have overcome the evil. I have avenged my father. I have now gained symbolically this, like, sort of power and, you know, this vindication of, of my efforts, you know? Right. Whatever it's no it longer is. just an item. It's it's a symbol of the journey. Yeah. Now, we, we, we can look back at um, past sessions and go, man, that one time when the guy rolled a 20 and and oh, killed sure. the dragon with the last hit you know that's still cool you know there's I, I wouldn't take anything away from that right um but i would say that it could be more <laughs> yeah yeah so. i mean it it's it's also about things that just that makes sense you know you you want to feel like your character is on this journey and and that they're having these experiences and that they are that they're a living thing and um and i think you know for for better or worse like combat to me is one of the least important things about D. 
Would it suck if it wasn't there? Yes. Do well, I would no we would no longer be playing Dungeons and Dragons. Right. You know, if the, it's if it's never there. Right. But I Although you did no fighting yesterday. <laughs> no fighting at all. And the um, you know, any really memorable moments I've ever had with this game, they've never been in combat. It's never been because of a die roll Mm -hmm. really the the things that are most that have always been most memorable to me are when it's all it's always about the story and which way things wind up going and you know the surprises that happen or you know the the moments that happen between characters whether it's whether it's a positive bonding moment or whether it's you know these these big climactic you know, separations or anything like that. Um, the best moments always come from the story. And it means paying attention to your players and it means caring about the story enough to make those things happen. And it means trusting your players that they can appreciate it and that they'll and that they'll buy in, that they're game for it. Like you know, the, the moment we had last night, if, you know, could you imagine if the player just like ignored it or was like, oh, whatever, or like, oh, I, I don't know how someone could, but if they didn't give it the attention or, um, or reaction that it was due. Yeah. yeah the, the, you know, I, first of all, I would have dropped more hints until they got it basically sure. like, you know, I, there was no way I was letting you leave that dungeon without doing the one thing. Like, right? I was like, no, this is going to be too important to him. If I if I press the issue, it's not going to annoy him. He's going to be happy, right? Um, you know, sometimes you you do let things go. You have to pick your battles. But uh, speaking of which, there was supposed to be a big encounter at that waterfall level, and oh, really? yeah, and I just I skipped it because I was like, we're running out of time. I want to get to the good stuff. I want to finish this this uh, quest, and honestly, it, this is not important right now. I'm um, I'm really glad you did. I, yeah, I'm I, glad I, I did too. I found myself going through those those rooms, thinking, "I what's going to jump at me? <laughs> I, I I feel like there's a fight in here somewhere. I just I know how this stuff tends to go." Yep. And it didn't. And I found myself being pleasantly surprised. It was it was yeah. weirdly refreshing. I was like, OK, so we're going through. We're solving a couple puzzles. We're and we just keep going. And it was just you had you had some positive feedback from solving these little puzzles that were enough to get your brain going a bit, but not so much where you're like just stymied the whole freaking time. Right. So you're getting fed these little victories from like, okay, here's a puzzle, figure it out. Here's a puzzle, figure it out. And step by step by step, you're just overcoming little things one after the next. And then you get to this big moment and it's just, and it's all good and all interesting. I didn't find myself getting to the end of that. I I didn't even know that that was coming. So even before that, I wasn't, thinking to myself oh man this sucked i wish we had a fight i was like this is interesting we're like discovering some cool things like what you did with having the three paintings on the wall and like one of them has this big ship none of us have ever seen the like of before with 
writing on it that none of us are at all familiar with. That was like a big mystery. And all these little different things, none of which had anything to do with combat, but in a lot of ways, to me, felt more engaging than combat. Yeah. Well, that that could also be me being bad at combat. <laughs> like, uh, Because I think that the important thing is your puzzle should have significance. Yes. Um, everything that I had put in that dungeon was story driven. You guys didn't pick up on everything, but it was, there were a lot of hints as to the person that we're dealing with. Um, yeah. You know, so a lot of the, a lot of the things were that you did were sort of symbolic. Mm. Um, fights need to be the same way. Like really good fights need to be story driven. So that you are defeating someone and that defeat is important. You know, that victory becomes much better. There should be dialogue during fighting. Um, There should be. Which um, is hard to do. It is hard to do because you you are thinking about, okay, there's these Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. We need to stay within them. I don't want to spend too much time having the bad guy monologue because, you know, it's been... 20 minutes since this guy's turn. Right. (laughs) Well, and then, and then there's even like the whole, like, okay, well, technically a turn is six seconds, but talking is a free action. How much can this guy actually conceivably say? Can I reply? Yeah. Can I reply? And, and does that mean like, oh, everything stops. So these guys can just have a conversation mid fight. Yeah. So, so, but it should be kept fairly tight. You know, yes. like if the bad guy is about to cast fireball, you know, he should probably say something about that, you know, and without it being like necessarily I'm a comic booky, you know, uh, it's it to speak to his motivation. I mean, you got to think about like how crazy it is for you to actually throw a fireball at people you know like to attack someone with a weapon you should have some some weight behind that but you know that's something i'm still working on too so i but i I like the the point ultimately about memorable moments and they can't be all the times there there do there does need to be the mundane yeah or at least the the slow build so that things are ultimately earned um but they're you know but you can't forget about them either. They do need to exist. You need to make sure that all your players get them. Yep. And that they also experience things as a group because that will help form bonds yes. between the, the characters. And that's one thing that I have I think have been uh, has been improving in the last couple sessions Yeah, is the, the, the party dynamic has improved. Yeah. People it, are starting to care more about one another. And that's that's a I mean, that's a bit of a discussion for another time, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the idea of how to get your party to to truly kind of come together and feel like a team in both an in-game and out-of-game sense. That'd be yeah. something that's... Uh, how do you get them to love each other? That's so freaking hard man yeah but yeah it's, it's especially hard if if half your party is lone wolf Ugh. um tragic Ugh. backstory you know <laughs> oh. you know i had a character literally oh. asking for people's like motivations and some backstory stuff and it was like in some cases kind of like pulling teeth but oh. it, yeah. it's okay that for the you know in in everyone's defense that probably would have felt like an unearned moment so Sure. That's fair. Yeah. It was 
memorable moments are my favorite. <laughs> there, there's. I will say that whenever I've played in an Andrew campaign, there have always been great memorable moments. What? What's? You know? What are? What are some that you remember? Well, you I know, probably I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I mainly, mainly everything's from the Goblin that, games. It, it that, was that, most recent that we've done. You know, uh, becoming a werewolf was really cool you know like this uh getting a sentient frying pan you know i'm just gonna leave all these things out of context so that people could just wonder how that came about um getting uh you know the stupid dialogue you know we used to joke that our characters were all chaotic stupid because like they would have debates and analysis paralysis of their own kind because we would willfully ignore the obvious solution because goblins wouldn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. everyone's like giving facts that they know are wrong. You know, <laughs> like they, they would put like real effort into how can I screw this up more than I already than I, am. Yeah, yeah. I even remember uh, a moment from a game a long time ago. Uh, this was an unfinished campaign that you ran, but uh, uh, no offense, we all have them. Oh, but that—that's all I have. <laughs> uh, but there, there. Remember, there was this 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 uh, NPC. He was like a young man, uh-huh. and he needed to overcome some kind of physical trial. I can't even remember what it was. And like, either he had to win a contest, or he had to become a fighter, or something. And huh. and our characters were training him. And we got to have different moments to to challenge him and build up his endurance and skill. Oh, I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, me and uh, and Chris were in that game, and uh, we were playing sisters, actually. Yeah. And, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, and I do. I, I can remember I held the kid's head underwater so that he would learn about, like, endurance and focus or something. Oh I don't remember us where I was going with that, but, uh, oh, and I have to mention this for another one of our people that I play with. And, uh, one of my, the biggest memorable moment from that campaign, um, he'll know what we mean is when, you know, we were on a, this, this ship out at sea and there was another ship that, that, you know, came up right next to us and they wanted to board. They were going to attack us. And, but I was playing like a high level cleric. And I literally have this like Bible moment where I use control water and I capsize their boat. That's and, so freaking awesome. And this character up until this point had, had been more or less a pacifist. And but had hit the limits of what pacifism had gotten him and was starting to realize that he had to take a more active approach and in, in doing good for the world. And that the, when the boat was flipped, not only was it effective because completely changed the dynamic of the fight and allowed me t- to use my spell in a way that I think it was meant to, um, but it also symbolized the the turning of his um, of his progression of the way he viewed the world and what his personal Ooh. philosophy was going to be. His soul capsized, you know. Nice, and that. That to me was one of my favorite moments ever in playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's, I mean, when you get to flip a ship, I mean, that's 
That's hard to top, man. Yeah, a bunch of pirates. They they just ride up next to you, and they're like, ah, and you're just like, by the power of God, <laughs> just flip this sucker right over. They're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I I just I imagine those. Um, what's his name? He's uh, at least way back when we were in college, the YouTube personality. I think his name is Francis. The um, he's like a big Magic the Gathering nerd kind of kind of character. Um, but there's this. Uh, I think it even got gift a lot of him just sitting at this card table at like a Magic the Gathering tournament, and he like grabs the table, like sh- shakes it a little bit, and the guy across from him is just he's this little like high school kid that's like a quarter of this guy's size and francis wearing his glasses and his eyes are like crazy wide and then he just flips the table and the cards just freaking go everywhere i'm imagining you doing that to the ship with magic (laughs) yeah but instead of like being actively angry he's like super stern right like there you go you know furrowed brow but you know just very serious like i am you know i have conviction that's so that cool. this that things are changing now uh there is also one big moment that i remember that you and i shared actually as players a long time ago back in college um where i mean this was coming to the end of a, like a long running campaign mm. and you were for all intents and purposes playing an angel and I was, for all oh, intents and purposes, playing the devil. Freaking replicish. And we, um, and uh, I convinced you to work for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was that big handshake moment that we had. And the I can just remember the whole club going, oh, no. Like, Every, what? Everyone Whoa. in the room lost their minds. Yeah, it, everybody freaked out. You I know, forgot like, about like, that. That was a, that was a kick-ass moment. Oh, man yeah that was was awesome that was wow i forgot all about that (laughs) that was a good moment yeah you know but these are i think everybody who plays this this game or really any role-playing game you know will will tell the story to someone whether or not they want it (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know they will say dude you know what i did this weekend let me tell you and I just need to get this out of my system. I need to tell someone about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's ultimately what we really do take away, you know, mechanics aside. And I know the first half of this talk was basically mechanical, but all of that aside, it's it, it's all just there so that we can facilitate that moment yep. that is archived that, you know, takes place in our in our psyche. And yeah, Um you know is defining of the hobby i would say yeah i mean it's 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 why we do it i mean if you didn't get these big cool moments you know and if you're if your character's not going anywhere or Mm -hmm. really experiencing something special then like there's you know there's video games there's books there's movies there's other stuff but you know what even in video games and stuff they still do big memorable moments they're called cutscenes. yeah right yeah they're (laughs) i mean cool there there there's some there's some great ones but i mean there's some really touching moments that that occur like when you when you've come to the end of uh god of war 4 oh 
you're yeah. you're at the peak of the mountain, we'll say, you know, yeah. and you learn about someone's origins and you, yeah. you know, come to a conclusion on on the uh, former wife's history, you know, like that's a that means something. Yeah. Well, um, Though I will say no matter what a video game does, it's never going to have quite the magic of another human tailor making a moment for you. Right. For you specifically. Right. And it's it. Yeah, it's very it's very well when it's done right. It's very personal um, and it definitely makes it that much more special. But on the flip side, you know, there there are a lot of things that tabletop RPGs, you know, I know this might be blasphemous for some people, but there there's some things that tabletop RPGs do not do very well just by the very nature of what they are and how they work. Some things just kind of are a bit more clumsy than um, than their iterations and other things such as like combat, for instance. The way a video game can handle combat and complex calculations is just or can be far superior to how a tabletop RPG does just because we're people trying to do all this number crunching, you know, and we're just slower at it. And we don't have like, you know, spectacular visuals or, you know, all that stuff. And you got to use imagination, which is really fun. But, you know, there. But we have to lean into what the role playing yeah, game does well. Exactly. Lean, right. Play to like, strengths. When we talk about these mechanics, we're we're not talking about how to necessarily make the game more realistic because ultimately we need to get from mom the big moment to the next big moment, however long that takes. And yeah. And if combat ends up being this thing where we have to measure stuff that a computer should be doing, yep, then we're never going to get there or we're at least never going to get that same impact. Yeah. And usually, I mean, there are a lot of times where even in the, even in the base system mechanics themselves um you know if you if you really take a close look at where uh where you think you know fifth edition for example has made missteps a lot of times there are at least hints of them trying to lean into or account too much for reality mm -hmm. with a mechanic for something that is Fantasy. It's an easy trap for yeah. any designer it's to, so to over-simulate. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And knowing yeah. when to abstract is super, super important. And like, Which is, you know, it, it goes back to the, what are we doing here? Yeah. What is, what is this game? It is Dungeons and Dragons. There must be dungeons. There must be dragons. Yep. But we need to also have reasons for the dungeon existing and, yep. and going there. We yep. need to have reasons to deal with the dragon. And when that finally does happen, that needs to feel impactful. Yep. Yeah. You know, when if if you ever, you know, you play a game and they go, okay, you're you're in this dungeon. There there are monsters. Go kill the monsters. You know, it okay, there's a big dragon in front of you. Who who is this dragon? Why is why is it here? What's the point? Oh, we just wanna, you know, let's fight a big dragon, because that'd be cool. You know, it and it just it lacks context, and that context is what makes it all special. And um, yeah, I I freaking love memorable moments, man. 
Like that's that that is the <laughs> lifeblood of these freaking of games. Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Andrew wants memorable moments. I want to make players cry. You know, that's really kind of where what it comes down to. There, there, there you go. I mean, what what better stuff in life is there than than those things? Beer. I'm not much of a beer guy, to be honest. <laughs> Fine, alcohol somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. No, no, no. Love is the answer, kids. Love that's, is the answer. That's what it's all about. That's what all of this is. You know, it is. We we are we are well over time. We are rapidly becoming like the happiest dang nerd podcast. That's what ever. that's what the market demands. It's I what think. the market demands. It's what we say the market demands. <laughs> it's what Garo Glitterical demands, and what he wants, he freaking gets. He gets because he can pay for it. <laughs> it's simple economics. It's simple, so simple. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think uh I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. So yeah. I just want to say thank you to everybody for uh for hanging out with us for uh for our episode two, the one that follows episode one. Um and we'll precede episode three. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. uh you can uh, find us on social media by uh, just searching for Inspiration Point. You can also go to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com, or it might be buzzsprout.com. Yeah, we, we would yeah. love to hear from you and any inspirations you have and what you think about what we're talking about. And if you don't think love is the answer, um, I mean, you're wrong, you're wrong, objectively. Very wrong, uh, and you need counseling. Uh, but you can write about it. You have, um, you know, your First Amendment rights. Hey, we're not the government. We don't have to listen to them. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, shut the hell up. <laughs> Love is the answer. Bam. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. So, yeah. Deal with it. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Well, we love you all, and we will see you next time. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. Stay inspired.